0: These enormous entities have been gaining ground at breakneck speed.
1: Consumerism
0: has become ubiquitous in our society and has subsequently seeped into every aspect of our lives. We babble on about our favorite brands as if they were some sort of personal coat of arms. However you slice it or dice it, the mission of these greedy gargantuan juggernauts all boils down to one thing: the bottom line, makin moolah. We'll uncover the complex culture of corporations on this week's episode of FYI. Welcome to For Your Info. English, you got it. You got it. And welcome to this, another exciting edition of FYI. Thanks for tuning in, FYIers. And remember, if you haven't heard a topic that you'd like to hear about, just let me know. I love learning about a new topic every week just as much as you do. So if you have ideas for upcoming episodes, just let me know. I'm really easy to find on social media. I also have a website, it's albertoalonso.com, and you should join us over on Patreon in my Curious Community. And if you're in my Curious Community, you'll get access not only to one of the most amazing communities ever, and it's not because of me, it's because of the students But you'll also get tons of amazing content. Every week you'll get an extra episode with tons of tidbits of English information. And tidbits are little pieces. Go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso and take a look at all the options. But as well as the bonus episode, you can also get access to PDF documents so you can follow along with each episode. And then you can put yourself to the test afterwards with our worksheets. But remember, it's not about memorizing every single word. It's about exposing yourselves to English every single week. And some of the same vocabulary comes up, which is natural. But also, we get vocabulary associated with each topic as well. And in every episode, there are over 350 words, expressions, and collocations. That's a lot of content. But if you're in our higher levels, our super-duper students or our interstellar students, then you can also get a weekly class with me. It's a group class where we have tons of fun playing and laughing and reviewing the key vocabulary from each episode. And if you're in our interstellar level, you get all of that plus a monthly class with me where we can check your progress. And we can work on what you need to work on specifically. So if you want to find out more, go over to patreon.com slash Alberto Alonso and join us. And I'd like to send a shout out to all my patrons, the ones who are learning and laughing with me every week the ones who make this podcast possible. You guys freaking rock. A shout out to each and every one of you, especially my super duper students, Marta, Lina, Javier, Paco, Roberto, Jose Maria, and Mila. And don't forget about my interstellar students, the ones who get a monthly private class with me, Carmen, Isa, Paco, David, and Edgar. Keep up the great work, guys. I am extremely proud of you. All right, let's get this show on the road. That's one of my favorite idiomatic expressions. That means let's get going. We'll start out by taking a look at the intro. I always put tons of vocabulary in there on purpose. So every week when I release the teaser, you have at least... Five to ten different vocabulary words and expressions. Let's take a look. I started out by saying these enormous entities have been gaining ground. And that means they've become bigger. I think you say something similar in Spanish. Terreno, ground. And then I said at breakneck speed. So we already have an idiomatic expression and a super cool vocabulary word in the first sentence of the intro. To gain ground... And at breakneck speed, which I think you can tell from the context means it's going really fast. Think Fernando Alonso. Then I said consumerism has become ubiquitous. I want to take a look at a couple pronunciation things here. Ubiquitous or ubiquitous? I've heard it pronounced both ways by very intelligent people. So I guess that's up to you. Either, either. Neither, neither. Hey, these are words that have two pronunciations that are accepted everywhere. Another one. The thing you put flowers in. Vase or vase. And I also wanted to take a look at our isms. Say it with me. Ism. Ism. Because I've heard students say ism, ism, you know, make all kinds of weird sounds because there's no vowel there. Think of it like a little e over there, a short e, ism. So let's practice a few isms. Consumerism, populism, communism, Catholicism, nationalism, tourism. I hope you're repeating these aloud with me. This is a tough ending to pronounce for most of my students, but once you've got it, you've got it. And as we say, practice makes perfect. So consumerism has become ubiquitous or ubiquitous in our society and has subsequently seeped into every aspect of our lives. And to seep into something is to penetrate it. We babble on. To babble on is to talk incessantly. We babble on about our favorite brands as if they were some sort of personal coat of arms. And all I have to say here is Apple fanboys. Sometimes I think these people are getting a commission for promoting their products. I don't even like wearing logos on my shirt because, wait a second, I'm paying Tommy Hilfiger to wear a billboard of him? I don't think so. Not today, not ever. But some people like to be the poster child of a brand. I get it if you're getting paid. You're a brand ambassador or something. There I get it. But if you're paying them to promote them incessantly, I don't get it. I would at least buy some stock in the company. And we'll talk a little bit about stocks later on. So we babble on. And think about the word babble. The Tower of Babble. We babble on about our favorite brands. And a coat of arms is un escudo, I think you say in Spanish, something that your family has, your family name, or in many cases, royalty. Then I said, however you slice it or dice it, I'm going to send a shout out to my student Jose Maria on this one. I know he loves this idiomatic expression. This means however you want to word it, however you want to say it, the mission of these greedy and greedy means I want more. I'm never satisfied. Greed is one of the seven deadly sins. So I said the mission of these greedy gargantuan juggernauts. Gargantuan means huge. And I know we've looked at the word juggernauts before. A juggernaut is like a force of nature. And I said the word mission too. I wanted to take a look at the word mission statement really quickly as well. A mission statement is a company's stated objective. You can usually find it on their website. Then I said it all boils down to. You can also say it all comes down to one thing. The bottom line. And the bottom line is the most important thing. This has also become a synonym for money, which is why in the next line I say making moolah. Moolah is another way to say money. If you didn't know that, maybe it's because you haven't listened to our FYI episode on money. Then I said, we'll uncover the complexity. Culture of Corporations on this week's episode of FYI. I imagine many of you listening right now work at a corporation. I work at a corporation. Well, what is a corporation? Let's start by defining it. A corporation is an organization, usually a group of people or a company, authorized by the state to act as a single entity and recognized as such in law for certain purposes. And we'll talk about this later on as well, but a corporation is a legal person. The only thing is, it seems like they have more rights than a legal person, which is something we'll look at in the bonus episode. In the bonus episode, we'll take a look at unions. We'll also take a look at some of the biggest strikes. We'll look at the robber barons. These were the guys who built the United States. But at what cost, as we always ask ourselves in every episode? We'll also take a look at some fun facts. We'll look at the dark side, monopolies, CEO salaries, the biggest bankruptcies, and tons of vocab and idioms associated with corporations. All that and much more in the bonus episode. Now, here's a little technicality. What's the difference between a company and a corporation? A company is not necessarily a corporation, at least in the United States, although all corporations can be classified as companies, and a corporation is a type of business that is distinct from its owner. But as we just said, it's a legal person at the same time. So companies have to file their taxes separately from the personal taxes of their owners. So Elon Musk, for example, which was a pretty recent episode, he has to do his tax return, and then there's a separate one for the company. But where did corporations start? Well, they started here in Europe, or at least the idea, the predecessor of a corporation. And this was when European monarchs gave companies a charter. This was like a right to exist. The monarchy would even finance these companies. But there was limited liability. They could only lose the amount of money they invested. No more. That's a right that was not offered to individuals. So as an investor, which the monarchs are, that's why they have tons of money, this offered a safer investment. So that's why charters became really big. But they didn't just give a charter to anyone. You had to go in front of a court or a board, and you had to present your case and what you were going to do. And if they agreed with it, well, maybe they would give you that charter. Does this sound familiar? The Catholic kings, Isabella and Ferdinand, Christopher Columbus. He had to go in front of them and get that charter, as we call it, to discover the new world. And it was through these charters that Europe became so big. They were expanding their territories all over the world. Countries like Holland, Spain, France, and England. And as the companies expanded, so did the government's wealth and land. Thus, their empire would grow. So it was a win-win for the monarchy or the ruling class and the adventurers, the people who had ideas, the entrepreneurs. But this is also the government in bed with big business, which, as we know, if they get too close to each other, we could get near something I don't think anybody really likes, fascism. And we'll talk a little bit about that later on, too. Laissez-faire, capitalism, and other isms. The good thing is you already know how to pronounce this ending. One of the biggest companies was a British company called the East India Company. They made England super wealthy, and it originally started out as a charter called Governor and Company of Merchants of London Trading into the East Indies. Nowadays, we know it as the East India Company, a British company that accounted for half of the world's trade during the mid-1700s and early 1800s. They were running the show as far as trade was concerned, and they were trading commodities, commodities such as cotton, silk, indigo dye, sugar, salt, spices, tea, and even opium. And the company also ruled the beginnings of what would be the British Empire in India. So technically, it wasn't Britain that owned those places in India. It was the East India Company. But this company came to rule large areas of India. They even exercised military power and assumed administrative functions. This was also the first company in the world to issue stock. Stock is acciones. It's to have a piece of the company. So just to give you an idea of how important these companies were, or how powerful they were, I should say, another such company was the Massachusetts Bay Company. It was chartered by King Charles, and it was this charter that was partly responsible for colonizing what would be the United States. They colonized the Massachusetts Bay Area. I guess they had an appropriate name. And that was a charter that was granted by Charles I of England. So these companies were not just making money hand over fist, but they were also expanding empire. There's also something called the Embargo Act of 1807. And an embargo is like a restriction, a trade restriction. If I'm not mistaken, the word in Spanish is arancel. And this was proposed by Thomas Jefferson. And this basically made it so that there was an embargo on France and England. We couldn't buy products from them. Now you're thinking, what does this have to do with corporations? Well, we still needed these products. Our country was, you know, sprouting. It was in its infancy. So this triggered a boom in the United States. New corporations were sprouting up everywhere because we couldn't buy British or French products anymore. And we started to manufacture a lot of things, domestically, particularly the textile industry. And this was also the beginning of the manufacturing system in the United States. And obviously, it reduced this budding nation's dependence on imported manufactured goods. They could make them at home. But now, as you guys know, we don't do it that way. We'll look at that in The Dark Side. Let's take a look at a couple kinds of companies here. You've got public versus private. A public company issues equity to what are called shareholders or stockholders. Those shares are traded on the stock market. And the day that that company goes public, they call it an IPO, Initial Public Offering. I don't know very much about this area, but I know this much. That's the original stock price when a company goes public. A private company, on the other hand, is, as its name implies, privately owned, and it's not regulated. A public company, you have to show your figures year after year, trimester after trimester. I mean, you are under harsh scrutiny. Also, many of the decisions are made by shareholders or the executive committee, the board of directors, but they represent the shareholders. And as we said before, what is their objective? It doesn't matter what industry they're in, their objective, their aim is the bottom line, money. There's also something called a holding company, and this is a kind of company that does not perform any actual business operations. So they don't create a product or service. What they do is they control other companies by owning the majority of shares. They don't necessarily run those companies on paper, but if you own most of the stock, well, you have a lot of oversight on major decisions. And you could be considered the primary owner, even though, obviously, it's owned by many people. It's public, as the name says. There are three companies I urge you to look into. These three companies own almost everything. And if you haven't heard of these companies, it's shocking because... They own a little piece and sometimes a big piece of every major company in every major industry. We'll talk more about them in the dark side in the bonus episode. But I'll tell you their names now so you can do some research. BlackRock, Vanguard, and State Street. They own everything. Look up Larry Fink, the CEO of BlackRock. He's like some kind of diabolical figure, or at least it seems that way. Then you've got your non-profit organizations, your NGOs. These are more common every day. A lot of them are great because they're helping children. But as we know, too, there are many people who set up nonprofits in order to dodge taxes. I once heard somebody say, I don't remember where, if you have a nonprofit, you're laundering money. I'm not saying that's true in every case by any means, but it is a good way to move money around without it being taxed. Then you've got your small and medium sized businesses, which you call, I think, Bemis? And my favorite ones, mom and pop shops. Those are those ones that we have to support because no matter how convenient Amazon is, we don't want the local fruit stand to close down either. So we have to support these smaller businesses as well. We talked about this in the Amazon episode. And I'm sure some of you, I said before, some of you work for a corporation. And some of you are business owners. You run your own business. Shout out to Edgar. And there are pros and cons to this. Edgar, I'm sure you can add a few extras in our class. But the first thing is you're following your dreams, your passions. You're leaving a legacy if that business goes well. So starting your own company, I mean, that's a wonderful thing. You are your own boss. Now, I know in my case, it means you have to be very disciplined. Thankfully, I am. I don't know if I could have started my own business 10, 15 years ago. So it takes a certain responsibility. You have to have work ethic, as we call it. But if you're following your dreams, there's nothing better. There are disadvantages or cons, as we said. You're risking a lot. You have to put down some money to start a business. You can't just start a business out of thin air. So you take a financial risk. There's legal liability, long hours, well, whatever hours it takes. If you're the boss, the buck stops here. This means you don't pass the responsibility on to anybody else. The buck stops here. And if you work for a company, well, it's the company's problem if their stock is down. If you're losing money in your small business, that's your problem. And that could cause a lot of stress. And what happens when we stress? We get sick. So there are even health risks. Then you have a certain responsibility towards your employees and your staff. And don't forget about taxes. That's a pain in the ass. You need to hire a bookkeeper or an accountant. And you can fail. Be prepared to fail. But that doesn't mean you're a failure. It means you've got to try again. Maybe not in that business. But you don't stay down, as we say. You pick yourself up, you dust yourself off, and you start again. And as you guys have known every time we've taken a look at an entrepreneur here on the show, none of them made it on their first go. You have to be extremely lucky if you do it the first time perfectly. Let's take a look at the most successful companies by market capitalization in 2023. In order, you've got Apple, Microsoft, Aramco, Alphabet, and Amazon. That's four American companies and one Saudi Arabia company. And the four American companies are tech companies, what we call big tech. And we're going to look at that in the bonus episode, too. Big tech. Big food, big pharma. We'll wrap up this episode with some stats. The estimated number of companies currently at the time of this recording is approximately 333 million companies worldwide. Of the 100 largest economies in the world, 51 are corporations. The top 200 corporation sales are growing at a faster rate than overall global economic activity. So they are making money more than ever, as I said before, at breakneck speed. But, as we'll look at in the bonus episode, of the U.S. corporations on that top 200 list, 44 of them did not pay the full standard 35% federal corporate tax. This was during the period of 1996 to 1998. Seven of those companies actually paid less than zero in federal income taxes. They're able to do this because of rebates. Rebates is when the government gives you back some money. And those companies, the ones who paid less than zero in income tax, this was in 1998, were Texaco, Chevron, PepsiCo, Enron, which we'll talk about in the bonus episode in the bankruptcies part, WorldCom, and General Motors. So that's the textbook definition of greed. Making more money than ever and not paying any taxes. Whereas if I don't pay 60 euros, I'll get 75 letters in the mail. We'll talk about all that in the bonus episode. But it reminds me of the movie Wall Street with Michael Douglas, the original one. And he says in the movie, greed, for lack of a better word, is a good thing. I disagree with him. I say if you can make a buck without screwing people over, well, then you can go to sleep every night with a smile on your face. And I'm going to play that scene for you because this is a really famous scene. It's from the movie Wall Street, and this is Michael Douglas talking about greed.
1: The new law of evolution in corporate America seems to be Survival of the unfittest, well, in my book, you either do it right or you get eliminated. In the last seven deals that I've been involved with, there were 2.5 million stockholders who have made a pre-tax profit of $12 billion. Thank you. I am not a destroyer of companies. I am a liberator of them. The point is, ladies and gentlemen, that greed, for lack of a better word, is good. Greed is right. Greed works. Greed clarifies, cuts through, and captures the essence of the evolutionary spirit. Greed in all of its forms. Greed for life, for money, for love, knowledge, has marked the upward surge of mankind and greed, you mark my words, will not only save Teldar paper, but that other malfunctioning corporation called the USA. Thank you very much.
0: I sure hope you guys will join us in the bonus episode of FYI.